Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. The Bible says, then I, I'm sorry, then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever who created the what? Yeah, the heavens. By the way, that's a translation of the Greek word uranos, which refers to there, the galactic heavens, the stellar heavens, the universal heavens. Now, with that in mind, listen to chapter 6, verse 12. I watched as the uranos, the heavens, that is the galactic heavens, receded like a scroll being rolled up. We'll stop right there. You can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And uh, I, I want to set this text up today by, by sharing this with you. When, uh, when I was a little boy, my mom and dad almost never went to church. For one thing, my dad was an alcoholic. Mom and dad had huge marriage problems. They eventually separated and divorced. But in spite of that, when I was a little boy, I think my little mom knew that, that I needed to know something about God. And so on occasion, on occasion, mom would dress me up as best she could, and she would sort of send me off to this little church that was near this apartment complex where I grew up. By the way, the name of that little church was Emmanuel Baptist Church. And folks, let me tell you, I loved going to that church because for one thing, I did learn about God. And one of the truths I learned there early on was that God loves me, that God loves us. <laughs> and the reason God loves us is because he made us. He created us. And Mrs. Rice, my little Sunday school teacher, would hold her Bible up in the air, and she would say, children, God made the heavens and the earth. And she would start to describe the galactic heavens, and she would talk about the stars and the galaxies and the universe. And then she would tell us, she would say, Children, the same God who made all of that is the same God who made you. And she would say, Ricky and Steve and Mike and Mark and Johnny, she would say, that makes you very, very special. And I remember sitting there as a, as a little boy feeling very, very special. But stay in the story because when I went off to middle school, my science teacher, who was an evolutionist, told all of us students that what we had heard in truth or in church was not what really happened. He said the creation of the heavens and the earth were not really created by God, but what really happened was there was this random explosion in the universe. There was this arbitrary explosion in the universe, and he would always say, we know that explosion happened because we can see the expansion of the universe to this day. And he would say, but human beings evolved out of that explosion, first into slimy algae, then into monkeys, then into apes, and inexorably 
into human beings. And I remember in middle school, you know, wondering which is true. You know, is Mrs. Rice true or is my science teacher telling the truth? Is it the Bible or is it evolution? And the fact is, folks, I, as a teenager, I wanted it to be the Bible. Because I wanted to believe that we were special, that we were created by God. But my science teacher would always remind me the Bible is faith-based. Evolution is fact-based, he would say. And so I would go to church one hour a week. And I would hear my little Sunday school teacher tell us that we were special that we were created in the image of God, that we were created by God in the likeness of God and that God loved us. But then I would go off to school and I would be told, there is no God who loves you. You weren't created. You're a freak of the universe. This is how I was interpreting. You're nothing more than a high-class monkey. You're nothing more than a tricked-out ape. (laughs) And I remember, you know, the tension that I was feeling in my mind between these two belief systems that were diametrically opposed to each other. And it was like my brain was being pulled in two directions and it was like I was was (laughs) double-minded. By the way, the book of James, James chapter one, verse 22 says this. It says, such a person is what? Double-minded and unstable. In all that they do. By the way, the phrase double-minded, it means, it literally means this. It means to try to hold two opposing thoughts in your brain at the same time. And the fact is, you can't do it. You'll become unstable. You'll, be, you'll become confused. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I continued for a while to go to church and I would hear the teacher there tell us that we were created by God. She would open the Bible and she would tell us how to live and what we should do from the Bible. But all along, I would be wondering, is that book even true? My science teacher told me that that book is a myth. And folks, by the time I was 15 years old, I stopped going to church. You say, why? Well, it wasn't because I didn't like it. I loved it. But I stopped going to church, listen, because I had been talked out of believing in God. Let me say that again. I had been talked out of believing in God. By the way, do you know that 25% of the people today who leave the church say they leave because they no longer believe it? They no longer cognitively or intellectually believe it, and they, they leave. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring all of that over to our study in the book of Revelation today, because what an image of how how we can feel. And who knows, maybe I'm about to describe you. Maybe you come in here and you hear me talk from the Bible or you hear one of our other uh, pastors talk from the Bible about how you should live, how you should raise your kids, how you should handle your money, how you should love your wife, how you should love your husband. But all the time in the back of your mind, you're wondering, is that factually true? You see, from... 
from the time we go off to middle school, most of us, if not all of us, have been indoctrinated to believe that the Bible is faith-based and evolution is fact-based. That the Bible is blind faith, but that evolution is a scientific fact. And I'm telling you, that tension can pull and pull and pull and begin to undermine your confidence in the Bible, your confidence in God, to the point that you can eventually walk away from all of it. You walk away from God, from church, from all of it, because you just don't know if you even believe it anymore. Well, listen, if you've ever been there, and who knows, maybe everybody has wondered about that at some point, and maybe if you have struggled with that, I've got great news for you. Because here's what God knows about all of us. God knows that your brain will always default toward facts. Let me say that again. God knows your brain will always default towards evidence, towards proof. You know why God knows that? Because that's the way God hardwired your brain. God never hardwired you for blind faith. God never hardwired you to make decisions on a gut feeling. And so what I love is this same God who wired your brain, as he calls you to believe in him intellectually, he gives you facts. He gives you evidence that proves that he is the true God. And folks, what I love is we're going to see today in our passage today, God gives us undeniable evidence. God gives us indisputable facts that not only is there a God, a lot of people think there's a God, believe there's a God, but God proves that he is the true God, that he is the heavenly father, yes. And what I love is God does that, as we're going to do it see today, based on science, and specifically based on physics. And so here's what I Here's my proposition. This is sort of what I want you to walk out the door with today, and then we'll come back and and, and support this. A lot of the fundamental facts of physics about the universe that scientists have just recently figured out, God revealed those same fundamental facts of physics 2,000 years ago, and in some cases, 3,000 years ago, before man figured out. Let me say that again. Many of the fundamental facts of physics, astronomical physics, if you will, that scientists are just now discovering, God had revealed those thousands of years ago before we got a telescope and were able to figure it out. You say, well, Rick, what were the, the facts of physics that God revealed 2,000 years ago in the Bible that we're just now figuring out? We're going to find out, but I want you to remember, this information is given to us in the Bible to reinforce your cognitive intellectual belief that you're following the right God. Does that make sense? So, with that in mind, I want to give you two fundamental facts of physics that God revealed before man figured it out. By the way, this is going to come across a lot more like, and boy, especially today, so put your brains in gear and all of our... Our services, how many of you have your listening guides? Wave them in the air. Some review of physics today. So I hope you'll take some notes, almost like you're in class. So two thoughts, here they are, if you're filling in the blanks. Number one, 
God revealed that the universe is expanding. God revealed that the universe is expanding. And by that, I mean before scientists figured out, you know, what they call the Big Bang, that the universe has been jettisoned outward and is expanding, before they figured it out, God revealed that 2,000 years ago in the Bible. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on because that the universe is expanding is a scientific fact. Because as scientists point their telescopes, and I'm talking about these gargantuan, powerful telescopes out into the universe and peer out into the stellar heavens, one fact that they observe is that the universe is flying apart. In other words, the universe is not static. The galaxies are not fixed into the location. They have not been placed in, in location. To the contrary, when we look out at the universe, the galaxies are actually flying apart from each other. It's like, it's like shrapnel being blown out of a grenade. Just like that, the galaxy, galaxies appear that they have been exploded at some point and they are flying out and the further out we are able to see the faster the galaxies are flying apart from each other. Now, folks, that is a scientific fact for this reason. We can observe it. We can see that happening, which, by the way, is the scientific method. We've talked about this before. The scientific method is scientific conclusions based upon observable evidence. That's fundamental science. Everybody say observable evidence. Everybody say observable evidence. Yeah, in other words, we only draw scientific conclusions based upon evidence that is observable. Transverse. We don't draw scientific conclusions based on assumptions that we cannot observe. Does that make sense? Get it? Good, because here's what that means. We can observe that the universe is expanding, that something shot it out. (laughs) But what we cannot observe is what caused that. We cannot see the origin of the universe because we cannot wind time backwards, nor, just for your information, nor can we recreate that. We can't find the center of where that's coming from because to think we could do that is to be ignorant of how infinite the universe is. We're sitting in a solar system inside of a galaxy that is 100,000 light years across with 100 or 200 billion stars in it. And just what we can see is 200 billion galaxies 28 billion light years across, and there's no way of figuring out where that's all coming from because we're probably not even near the center of that. But here's the problem. Scientists who are evolutionists say, no, 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 no. We we know it was a random explosion. We, We know that it was not systemic. We know that it was not caused. It was just a freak of... The cosmos, there was no cause to it. Now, they, they get it, folks. They don't say, we think that's what happened. We think it was random. They don't say, we have a theory that it's random. No, they say, we know it was random. 
Folks, that, that is intellectual suicide. That is scientific suicide. Why? Because we all know that that's not observable. Nobody's been able to observe the beginning of the universe because nobody can trace it back to the beginning. Nobody can wind the clock backwards. Nobody was there to see that, but they will say, 20 trillion years ago, here's what happened. Without saying, this is a theory. This is what we may think happened. But you see, fact, folks, there was no one there. Well, I take that back. There was one who was there. And that was God, and he observed it all. And folks, what I love is God proves that he was there. When it happened, you say, how? By revealing in his word astronomical facts, if I might use that term, about the universe that were completely undiscoverable by human beings until the advent of the telescope. Let me say that again. Before we got the telescope and figured out that the universe was expanding, God had already revealed before, 2,000 years before the telescope was ever invented, the universe is expanding. He already told us that. Now, with that in mind, I want you to write this down as A and B. A, here's what Scripture says. God created the universe, and he did it deliberately. Listen to Revelation 10 again. Then the angel I'd seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives how long? Forever and ever. You know what that means? That means God not only lives forever in this direction, future, but God lives forever backwards in time. God has never had a time when God didn't exist. Now, I can kind of get my hands around, my head around a little bit, you know, okay, God's going to live forever just like we are, but it's a little more difficult to say he never had a beginning. (laughs) But we're restricted to the laws of physics as we know them. But God who created the laws of physics doesn't have to have a beginning. He's always been. And so for God to be there when the universe came into existence was not a problem at all. And so God says he was there. And watch this. Who created the heavens and all that is in them and the earth and all that was in it. Now everybody heads up. There God tells us what happened. What happened. And what happened? God intentionally brought the universe into existence. It was not a random event. It was not an arbitrary event. It was not unsystemic event. God says he intentionally did it. God says it is a systemic event that you can trace all the way back to him. So God tells us what he did. He created the earth. But what I love is he doesn't tell us just what he did. He tells us how he did it. And here's how he did it. Write this down as B. God propelled the universe outward. God propelled the universe outward. In other words, God did not place the galaxies into space. God did not fix the galaxies into space. God did not set the galaxies into space. To the contrary, watch this. Scripture says God hurled them. God threw them. God jettisoned them out into space. And Scripture tells us that fact over and over and over and over again again. 
but you need to see it in the Greek text to understand that. So I want to help you with that. Listen, this is just one verse. We're going to look at several, but I just want to give you one that's just right here close to us in Revelation, just to show you how scattered this word is. Revelation 13, 8, maybe one day we'll get there. The Bible says, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. It's not what I want to talk to you about. It's just there. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. Here's what I do want you to catch. In the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain, here's a key phrase, from the of the world, from the creation of the world. Let's stop there. Because world and creation are the two words I want to zero in on. First of all, the word world, that's a translation of the Greek word cosmos. I always tell you, your Bible was originally written, New Testament, in Koine Greek, then translated to English, Spanish, Spanish, French, whatever. That word world is from the Greek word cosmos, which is the word from which we get the cosmos, which to this day refers to the galactic heavens. It refers to the stellar heavens, the universe. We all know that. Here's what you may not know. The word created there is explicit. That is a translation of the Greek compound Greek word katabale. Katabale. Everybody say kata. Everybody say bale. Everybody say katabale. Here's what it means, and it is explicit. The Greek word bale, you can think of ball, bale. It means to throw something. Bale means literally to hurl something. The prefix kata means outward. Kata bale then literally means to hurl something outward. And the Greek lexicon goes on to tell us with no real intention of it going to a specific spot. What an image of what God did. By the way, the word is used in extra extra Greek language. A katabale of a farmer hurling out seeds, just indiscriminately casting seeds like that. That's the word. Katabale, it just means to hurl something out with no intention of it going any, you want a song? (laughs) Any direction of where it's going. Folks, listen, could God have been any more graphic? God didn't say, I place the galaxies in their place. I set the galaxies in their position. I fix them in location. If that had happened, we'd look at the universe and expect it to be static. Which, by the way, is what scientists thought for thousands of years, right up to a few years ago. Until Hubble, Edwin Hubble, saw it with this powerful telescope. Up till then, They thought everything was static, everything was fixed. But 2,000 years ago, in the book of Revelation, God said, no, I hurled them out, and we still see the momentum of God's energy and hurling those stars out as we look out into the universe. By the way, God didn't throw them out at the speed of light. That is a snail's pace for God. 186,000 miles a second, that's nothing. God hurled them out so fast that... Galaxies that are 100 billion light years away, he threw them out there and then put the light in transit so that we would see it today. What a God. Hey, had we been there to see that? Had we been there to watch what God did? Maybe it would have looked 
like this. Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And for those scientists who would say, we just figured out the universe is expanding, all of us who are God's people would say, welcome to the party. We already knew it. Amen? <laughs> and listen, that's not one, you know, just an isolated text. Let me read you some more that say the same thing. Jesus said in Matthew 13, he said, I will utter things hidden since the since the katabale of the cosmos, the throwing out of the, the cosmos, Jesus said, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the katabale of the cosmos, the throwing out of the cosmos. John 17, Jesus said, Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory which you have given me because you love me before the... The katabale of the cosmos, Ephesians 1, for he chose us in him before the katabale of the cosmos, 1 Peter 1, 20, he was chosen before the katabale of the cosmos, it goes on and on, and here's the point, write it down, is C, the universe is expanding because God hurled it out, and to this day, we see the momentum of that energy that God expended by the power of his word, by the way. God may have hurled it from his omnipotent fingers. God may have exploded it by the power of his word. I have no problem that God may have used the technique of exploding it outward, but he didn't do it trillions and trillions of years ago. He did it 6,000 years ago in Genesis 1 and put it all in transit so that we would experience it not a trillion years from now, but today. 
By the way, that's just one proof. Here's another one. Write this down as number two. God also revealed the universe will recede. God also revealed that the universe will recede. Back to our text in Revelation 6. The Bible foretells this. The heavens, this is looking into the future, receded like a what? Like a scroll. And everybody heads up because right there again, God reveals another phenomenon that is going to happen in the world of physics, in the world of the universe, long before scientists ever figured it out. You see, scientists are now figuring out that if there is enough matter in the universe that is between the galaxies, if there is enough matter between the galaxies, the universe will begin receding backwards. Now, mind you, all of the matter between the universe is not illuminated. That's why most matter is called dark matter. We can't see what's between the universe. But scientists say if there is enough matter, the, 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 the gravity between the galaxies, it'll all begin to retract back in. Just to kind of give you a visual of it, it's sort of like a balloon that, or one of those paddle balloons that you hit, you know, it goes out so far and then it begins to come back. That's the image here. It says it will recede. The, the picture there is like of one of those, those, those shutters, those blinds. You pull it down and you let it go. That is the image of the text. Now get it. Scientists are now saying that could happen if there's enough dark matter. But 2,000 years ago, God told us not, not only could it happen, God said it would happen. In fact, write this down as A. The universe will recede during the great tribulation. Chapter 6, verse 12 of Revelation kicks off the future great tribulation. Here's how it starts. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. I'm going to show you why that earthquake happens. It'll be like nothing the world's ever seen. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair, and the whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth. Why? Because the heaven receded like a scroll. Now stop there, because there is an astronomical phenomenon that is going to occur during what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. We talked about this in depth last time. For three and a half years, God is going to unleash his fury on this planet. Why? Because he's aiming at Satan. He, he has drawn Satan onto this planet, and God will unleash all of his wrath against Satan, against his demons, against his fallen angels, against the Antichrist, against the false prophet. All of that will be unleashed on them. But here's the point. The heavens, God says, he's going to make them start receding backwards. And folks, this will be, for people who are there to see it, it will be both awesome to look at and awful at the same time. In fact, the Bible says when, when men, demons, and angels, whoever's there to see it, the Bible says they will begin to cry out to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us, kill us, and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Because the universe 
begins to recede back in. It will be an outright reversal of creation. Reversal, God threw it out. But in the end, God's going to begin receding it all back in. And if we were there, it might look like this. Take a look. I will begin to pull the universe back in. People say, will people be there for that? Would Christians be there for that? Here's the answer to that. Are you ready? Here it is. Yeah, be back next weekend. You're going to unpack that. But folks, God even tells us as he begins to recede the universe back in, God tells us another physical phenomenon that he told before scientists figured it out. Write it down as B. Every island. And every island will be removed from its place. Listen to verse 14. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and every island was removed from its place. Now stop there, because there again, God reveals another fact of physics before scientists ever figured out this was going to happen. You see, here's what scientists just figured out. Scientists have figured out that if there was a near orbit passing of a trajectory from space. In other words, if a planetoid or an asteroid happened to streak by the Earth, the gravity from that object, that trajectory going by, would tug on the Earth. And so what they say would happen is as, as the trajectory went by, the surface of the Earth, which is spinning like this, would be inclined to move toward the trajectory. So it would do like that. Meanwhile, the molten iron that is the core of the earth, it would not be drawn. It would, it would continue to spin in, this, in the regular direction, in the first direction. And that would create friction. Let me give you a visual of this. A little eighth grade physics here. Remember this? The earth is like a bowling ball. The surface of the earth is no thicker than the shine on this bowling ball. The core of the earth, rather, is molten metal. And all of that is spinning in tandem. But scientists tell us that if a trajectory went by the earth, the shell of the earth would be inclined to go towards that, while the molten iron metals on the inside would keep going in the same direction it had been going. And they tell us that would create friction 
between the surface of the planet and the core of the planet, which they say would tear down every mountain and every island, just like God said. You see, folks, the stuff in the book of Revelation is not designed to scare us. It's designed to reinforce your belief that you're serving the right God. When we look, yes, when we look at this information, it's not designed to freak you out. God's in charge. God will take care of you. But the point that God wants you to get is that God doesn't bypass your brain. God doesn't tell you to put your brain in neutral when you come to church. To the contrary, God says, come now, let us reason together. Put your brain in gear. And God just stacks up the evidence, even physics, to show you that he was there. And he understands physics before physicists understand it because he created physics. By the way, that's just two, three things. Let me just give you a few more. I got two minutes, so here we go. I'm gonna go till I run out of time. Here they go. Here's some other things that God foretold. God foretold that the earth is round. In other words, before you know, Columbus or Magellan, whichever one, or whoever figured out it's round, God had already foretold that in one of the oldest books of the Bible. Listen to this, Isaiah 40. The Bible says God is enthroned above the, say it with me, circle of the earth. By the way, the word circle there, it's a translation of the Hebrew word kug. And kug doesn't just mean circular, it indicates spherosity. In other words, God was not only telling us, no, the earth is not flat, it's circular, in fact, it is globular. It is spherical in shape. God figured, told us that long before we figured it out. How about this one, right? If you're writing them down. God foretold that the earth is suspending on, suspended on nothing. Now, for years, scientists, physicists said it's gotta be sitting on something, and they mused about what that would be. By the way, there are other sacred writings, and I won't call them out, but a lot of them are popular, some in vogue. One of them, very popular in our world, says that the earth sits on the back of elephants. And when the elephants shake, that's what produces earthquakes. Now, before man figured it out, watch what God told us. The oldest book in the Bible, Job 26. It says, he that is God stretches the northern skies over empty space. He hangs the earth on the back of elephants. Is that what it says? He hangs the earth on what? Nothing. Nothing. In other words, before we figured out, before we got that shot from the moon that showed that beautiful blue and white jewel suspended on nothing, God had told us that's exactly the way it was. How about this one? God foretold the earth rotates on an axis. You know, we used to think the sun was going around the earth, but God told us a long time ago that not only is the earth round and not only is it spherical, but that it rotates on its axis, suspended on nothing, rotates on its axis. Listen to Job, verse 38. The Bible says the earth is turned, literally spins as clay to the seal. How explicit could God get? We all know what that is. We see the potter put the clay on what's called the seal, and it begins to spin on an axis. 
How about this one? God told us the stars are innumerable, that you can't count them. Do you realize for years, scientists cataloged the stars? They would say there's 2,000, no, there's 2,400, no, there's this many, that many. God said you couldn't count them if you wanted to. And again, now we know they cannot be counted. Again, just what we can see is in our Milky Way along, 100 billion stars. And what we can see is 100 billion galaxies like our galaxy, all containing 100 billion stars. So just what we can postulate would be 100 billion times 100 billion or 10 septillion stars. The problem is we can't see the end. It just goes, it was an infinite God who created. And the probability is there is no end because it's created by the infinite mind of God. say, why does God give us all this information? Because it goes back to what I said at the beginning. God knows your brain will default toward fact, not feeling. You need evidence. If you were standing on the edge of a cliff and I said, jump, there's something to catch you. And you look in the dark and you don't see anything. Your brain will be hard pressed to let you jump. Why? You need evidence. It's the same with God. God doesn't say jump, leap in the dark hope. Your life is counting on God. Your eternal life is at stake. Listen, when you face death, God doesn't want you to say, well, I hope I got the right God. God wants you to be able to face death knowing that you're headed toward heaven to be with him. That's a temporary stopping place because you're coming back to earth with a new body and a whole life on a newly created planet. And we know that not based on feeling, not based on a tradition, but based on the factual evidence of Scripture. That's, yeah, that's why the Bible says, the Bible says our faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. We have substance, we have evidence. And so Christians, I hope from here on, you'll you'll never feel double-minded. I know once I came to Christ when I was about 17, And I began to look at the scriptures, all of that just went away. And I hope that happens for you. But maybe you're here today, and maybe you've never made that step of faith to Christ. Because you just wondered, is it factual? Well, here, God is showing you not only is there a God, he's showing you he is the true God. He's the only one who does that. And here's what he says. Here's what the whole point of all of that is. He loves you. That's the point. He's not just blasting you with, this is not just information dumping. There's a point to it. The point is, he loves you. He cares about you. He wants to have you with him forever. You say, Rick, what do I do to receive eternal life? The Bible makes it so simple. Religion clutters it. God makes it simple. Here's what he says. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone, that means you, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be given eternal life. What do you do to receive eternal life? You don't have to become religious. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to become a member of anything. You don't have to adopt a tradition. It's personal. It's relational. God says all you have to do is call on him, and he'll give you eternal life right where you're seated. So at all of our campuses, let's bow our heads, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to do that today, let me lead you in a prayer. 
You pray this prayer to God, not to me. This is not a, this is not a scripted prayer, by the way. It's not a poem. You pray it with all of your heart, quietly, because God is listening with all of his. Pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for not ignoring my brain. Thank you for not calling me to a blind faith with no evidence. God, you have shown me evidence today, proof, that not only is there a God, but that you are the true God. And Lord, I believe it intellectually in my mind. I believe it spiritually in my heart. And so today I open both. I open my heart, I open my life, and I ask you to come in. I ask you to forgive all of my sins, past, present, and future. And I ask you to give me everlasting life. God, thank you for loving me Thank you for the gift of eternal life. May I, from this day forward, spend the rest of my life following you, obeying you, loving you, and being loved by you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.